speaking of Seinfeld, mm. uh, there was an episode where George um, brings up Demi Moore. But he doesn't know if it's Demi or Demi. And that got me thinking before we started like recording today. I was like, I don't know that. <laughs> and Jed, Jed, Jed was like, it's Demi, like Demi Gloss. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. I mean, like, yeah, what is it? Uh, is it short for? I don't know what it's um, short for. It's, um, I think that it's like, um, it's a hard end, so it's Demi, like an E-E. Oh, Demi. Okay. Demi. According Demi. to Demi, yeah. Wikipedia's um, English pronunciation respelling. Interesting. And okay. Demi. So, yeah. Demi. But, Demi. Uh, Demi. Demi. Yeah, like, like Jonathan Demi. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there we'll we go. That's have to bring another man into it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, mm. boy. Mm. The director of Silence of the Lambs, no less. None, nonetheless. nonetheless. Hello, and welcome to the award-winning podcast, <laughs> The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion, and I just really quickly, I have this uh, poem I want to oh. read. Uh, really, it touched me. Um, it's by D.H. Lawrence. And, uh, Our poetry uh, correspondent, Patrick Gremion. Yeah, and it's less of a poem and more of a poem fragment, but just bear <laughs> with me. <laughs> It's like two, two, two sentences. Uh, I never saw a wild thing sorry for itself. A small norm from Cheers uh, will drop frozen dead on the side of a hill outside of a tennis court without ever having felt sorry for itself. I, that just that just touched me. I don't know. Uh, it's yeah. true. It's very true. Welcome. Welcome to the Navy SEALs, and welcome to the Academy. <laughs> yeah, do you think that's one of the training things they had to do? They had to climb that uh, Thief of Hearts hill? I, yeah, like multiple times. Jim Caviezel didn't make it. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's too hard. It's too hard. Oh, I'm going to uh, get back to harassing Demi. <laughs> Demi. Uh, of course, this week we were talking about 1997 American war drama film, G.I. Jane. Mm. Directed by Ridley Scott. Mm. Ridley Scott back on the show this week after it feels like we've been away from Ridley for a while, even though probably haven't, but it d- doesn't feel like we've talked about a few other things. The last, yeah. The last handful of handful of apps. And, you know, to get to Ridley, he's in an interesting place in his career mm-hmm. when we come to this episode. Uh, previous to, you know, 91, he has the massive success in Thelma and Louise, a movie mm. we've made clear, one of our favorites we've watched over the course of this series uh but follows that up in 92 with 1492 conquest of paradise and 1996 with white squall um by anyone i mean no diss not to be too negative but lesser lesser outings we'll put it that yeah, way. yeah it's he said he's at a he's kind of at a uh a middling yeah yeah crossroads yeah yeah exactly yeah, midlife crisis um crossroads yeah. um and it makes it clear like much like around the time of someone to watch over me, Black Rain, he's he's kind of grasping for what he feels the audience is looking for, and how it also kind of matches up with his interest in the moment, mm-hmm. like that you know his signatures as a director, and how you know is he kind of stodgy? Is he out of touch in a sense? I think that mm-hmm. there is this question going into this movie, and perhaps even after. 
this movie. Um, and he doesn't have his finger on the pulse in the same vein that Jerry Bruckheimer seems to have right. for a longer yeah. period of time. Or even like the gleeful joy of his brother in just kind of making going for it and making like balls the, to the wall bonkers the, fun the movie in the most positive complimentary kind of way fashion yeah this movies. would be like yeah this would be like a moment in time where he could really use help from like the the muse character in the muse like he needs like to, he's just, just like, yeah kind of like and i mean obviously his film that follows gi jane he must have talked with sharon stone Yes, because his next film after Jay Jane is the movie that kind of re-solidifies him to this day in 2000's Gladiator, which we will get to in a few weeks. Really looking forward to that. I don't think I've seen Gladiator that... in 10 years. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I saw it when I was uh, I got super ill uh, over the summer. I was just like the sickest I've been in like uh, like five years, maybe. And I watched Gladiator while like practically hallucinating. Ooh. And it was an incredible. I was like, I, said, I, said, I was like, oh, I'm in the Elysian Fields with with yeah. with Russell Crowe right now. This is great. <laughs> this this holds up and then some. <laughs> yeah, like ooh, check please more. <laughs> it was like I I was really sick when I watched the Robert Pattinson Batman movie, oh, no. and I started at like five a.m. and I was about an hour, and I was like. This really was the only time to watch this movie. I yeah, was like that, very into it. I was like, that, that is, that's the right. That's actually the how you're supposed to watch that movie. That's the right mindset to get into. Like, huh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much I would love this in a sober sense, but I kind of like it right now. <laughs> yeah, physically, I feel like the city of Gotham right now. I'm yeah. matching this perfectly. Oh, I'm rotting like Gotham. I, we need a Batman in the form <laughs> in the form of extra strength, Tylenol. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Jones. <laughs> anyway, yeah, flop a couple flops for it. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so he, he's also interestingly enough, I just read he around this time period, he and Tony and a conglomerate of others went in and bought Shepperton Film Studios in mm -hmm. England, where he shot Alien. And mm. he joked that yeah, well, at least, you know, I put my money where my mouth is because I'd used it so many times. But he was kind of so like. I think there's this element that you see in a lot of rich guys, especially rich guys who did not come from means, mm. that they are constantly looking to continue fear of losing work and fear of ever being without money again. Right. So, and it really strikes me to this day of having that kind of some would call it like a workmanlike blue collar attitude going into white collar jobs. Others would call it fear. Yeah, <laughs> and I think there's a little bit of both there in his because his his output is so ex extraordinary, especially like so. In he was born in 1937. Wow! And I should be noted this week, later on this week, November 30th is his birthday his 85th birthday <laughs> so wow! uh happy early birthday to our um to, to our lovely sir ridley scott but you know 1937 this movie gi jane comes out in 1997 mm -hmm. he's closing in on 60 
years old. When he's here, I mean, like, someone say that he had already had a full life and career. <laughs> and if you look at what he does after the year 2000, it is a nonstop giant movie, like one after the other. It's like, like all of his, his biggest movies. Yeah, he's like, last act which has continued for 20 years yeah. i mean it's been other utterly extraordinary i don't like it's wild and i can't wait to get into this second cycle of yeah. his movies but this is actually a really apt movie i think to kind of close out the first cycle yes uh, a uh, cycle of uh ups and downs and middles for sure yeah. ups and downs and kind of figuring yourself out because i think after gladiator for the most part he kind of gets his wheelhouse yeah well he a gets little like bit the, more at least <laughs> i think he gets like the ultimate form of validation too like yeah. i think gladiators like once he gets that like uh it's he gets he wins the oscar right he did he did not win he to no. this day mm. he to this day is a loser <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh no, oh, yeah, no. A, i forgot guys our third mike trumpy <laughs> Trump, yeah. Trump, Trump loves Gladiator. He loves, loves it. Should have won. Should have won. Yeah. Won. Aaron Brockovich don't like that movie. <laughs> yeah, Scary. Oh, yeah. It was um. Yeah, it was uh, Steven Soderbergh one. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and, he he had two. That what a crazy which, year for that guy. <laughs> I mean. Let's put. Let's call it like it. It's fucking impressive. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> like, it's like, you, look at, you look at both those movies and you're like, well, shit, you know? It's phenomenal because <laughs> that year was also Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, an easy possible winner. Jesus Christ. As well for Best Director. So, I mean, some good yeah. stuff. So, it's a tough, so, yeah. It's tough. I mean, I think it still remains, if you ask get a couple couple glasses of scotch into Ridley, he'd probably have a few thoughts on it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's everything has proven itself mm -hmm. over time, but Ridley Scott is still lacking that elusive Best Director Oscar. Mm -hmm. um, could it be Napoleon? Okay. <laughs> I think, think it's on the table, sight unseen. <laughs> is that's not coming out this year, right? They pushed that back. It's I next think. next year, and I think next year his big competition will be, of course, Martin Scorsese. Which, Ooh. you know, that's going to be couple, tough. Couple titans, but Scorsese's yeah. Scorsese's one, and he's ruffled feathers. Although really, Scott has never said anything kind about the Marvel system either <laughs> oh so. uh, man i want to see it'd be so fun to hear ridley scott and his like british brogue just like call call groot a, a knob or something i would I love to get comfortable <laughs> enough as a human being and a friend with ridley scott that we could sit in his like wooden paneled library somewhere in england over cigars and scotch and he could just talk shit and feel comfortable about that Ooh. wouldn't that be a true what a top five experience Man, what a like, yeah, he's he'd be one of the coolest, like, cool uncles to have, or like a yeah, grandfather kinda, figure, kind of kind of scary and mean, but it's like, man, I respect it. Yes, like, this guy may punch me at any minute, yeah, it'd probably knock me out even at 85. Oh, no, he could kick my ass at 85. He, he, oh, he, he, he really gives off old man strength, yeah, he? he's yeah, 100%. He's climbing up the Thief of Hearts Hill, he doesn't care to him, that's it, nothing. Interesting fact I'll bring up in a bit. 
Ridley himself suffered an injury on the what? set of G.I. Jane that he still feels to this day. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I get yeah, we're here right now. He apparently slipped on ice, which where in this movie was there ice? I don't know. Yeah, there's no snow element. That's I mean, maybe. I don't know. Wouldn't yeah. that have been cool if they had to do a snow campaign at the end for the third act? Ooh, yeah. You know yeah, what? I, I just cool. saw I just saw um like an episode of Echo Three or whatever, mm. and they do some like snow campaign scenes and always snow, works. Yeah, snow is cool. It's cool snow. to do fights in snow. Yeah. Snow fights yeah. are rad. Um, snow fights are very rad. But anyway, uh, apparently he slipped and blew out his knee. Oof. Wall on set for this had to have surgery, and to this day still has knee and hip issues because of it. Ooh. Okay, well, it looks like if we ever get in a fight, we're good. We're That's good. why it's <laughs> like you see like them in the making of Silence, out in um, where did they shoot that in Taiwan? Yes, they shot it in Taiwan. Yeah, hundred percent. So you see this like Scorsese was complaining about it, but apparently he had like four dudes like basically carrying him up those hills. <laughs> to shoot in the woods and it was like he's like i don't need this it's like you're 75 you need this yeah no you're you're necessary we cannot let you roll down this hill yeah (laughs) one false rock in this movie is over one one false and cinema history is destroyed (laughs) yes (laughs) protect him at all costs yeah exactly the man should be kept in the magneto prison (laughs) yes keep (laughs) me But, but, for, but, but, but for Martin Scorsese, for good deeds. <laughs> it's a good prison for him. It's a fun one. He's got all of his movies there. Hey, I want to go to that prison. <laughs> oh, happy for happy belated to Marty for his 80th as oh, well. We Wonderful. Love you love him. We love him. But G.I. Jane. So, we're of G.I. Jane. Um, Danielle Alexandra. Alexandra Alexandra uh, was a former executive at 20th Century Fox mm-hmm. and wrote this script on spec um, in the 1990s and frankly, probably to today. But in the 90s, for some reason, 90s. OK, so for the kids out there, mm. if you think the culture war thing is new. Let me take you back in time to the mid 90s in the Clinton era. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> because all of this shit that's being relitigated now was being litigated then, except the people people sucked then who were fighting against it. They're a much more diminished version of that. Yeah. <laughs> much that like everything true. else, they're a much more diminished and lamer version and grosser mutated yeah. version that they were. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's funny, they're diminished, but somehow more evil. Like, <laughs> and It's not to say that the Newt Gingriches and so forth of the world in the 90s were not evil. They absolutely were. Oh, yeah. I mean, although, can you, can someone really be that evil when they post such great pictures of themselves with their fourth wife at, like, fucking like holding restaurants? Like, holding a fork, and like, man, <laughs> is it wine 30? <laughs> cool. It's the fucking Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger is turning like a hundred this year or next year. It's like how on earth is that ghoul still like among us? This, this motherfucker gets a centennial. Get out of here. Yeah, Henry Kissinger would never have let Jordan join the Navy SEALs. No. <laughs> Drop them in Cambodia. I was gonna do a Kissinger. <laughs> I was gonna try a Kissinger voice, and I was like, I don't think I can. Do nah, that I can't. Right. You really have to. 
<laughs> I had to workshop that for about six months. Talk yeah. to me in six months when we're talking about like Alien Covenant. Maybe I'll bring it up. Then. Yeah, you'll do your sick Kissinger impression. Timely Kissinger impression. Yeah, <laughs> for the kids. He'll be dead by then. Yeah, yeah. for the kids. <laughs> for the kids. Uh, he's dead for the kids. Anyway, um, she writes it and she wrote it with one actor and one actor alone in mind mm. to play the leading titular G.I. Jane. And it is, of course, Demi Moore. At this mm. point, Demi Moore was one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, uh, married to Bruce Willis in a celebrated celebrity <laughs> relationship, uh, but got her start actually in the 80s as one of the Brat Pack with uh, the Breakfast Club crew and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, and fun movies like One Crazy Summer, which is I enjoy quite a bit. <laughs> but uh, kind of broke through in 1990 as a superstar with Ghost. A movie oh, that's yeah. come up before that we'll, we'll probably have to review Ghost at some point. We'll do a Patrick uh, Swayze bracket. He must have, like, yeah, something like that. Seen movies. But, you know, uh, her. Up and down because the very next year she was in nothing but trouble. <laughs> oh man, that's a that's not a down. That's a that's a in, in a chasm. That's an infinite chasm into a dark yeah. abyss, sir. But uh, she kind of had this. Um, for some reason, the media like latched onto her. I don't know. I don't remember any like particular reason. I think she was mm-hmm. a bit outspoken, but you know that could also be chalked up to media misogyny. Yeah. More so than her actually saying anything substantially weird or anything like that. Um, but like it seemed I what I do remember the nineties, every movie she was in, people kinda had knives out for her. Man, and I don't I don't get it. It's like it doesn't seem like there's anything really all that objectionable. The only thing that was kind of like and it's again, it's very conservative that she tended to play um uh, sexual characters mm. and people who were comfortable in that or blurring lines of tr- like yeah being okay with that and I guess it was right you know for lack of a better term um, not a fun word but kind of almost a slut shaming kind of scenario that they were putting uh. out there which is utterly unfair and terrible Oh, totally. Well, and you look at, like, yeah, it's, like, movies like Disclosure and Decent Proposal. Yeah, that's, like, it. it's so funny, because, like, didn't we, like, we have, we've had movies like this since the 80s. you think people would just get, like, fucking accustomed to it, well, but this I don't is, know. And this is along the lines of, um, you all can go back and listen to it. We've mentioned it before, a better podcast than ours. Um, Karina mm-hmm. Longworth, you must remember this podcast, just did a podcast a series on erotic 80s films. And she's going to do erotic 90s films, probably cover Demi Moore's career in that time period. And oh, man. In the sense that as saucy, as saucy and sexy as they were, mm-hmm. there's a very conservative, progressive bent to pretty much all of them. Yeah. Much like every movie from the eighties in general. Yep. Yep. And I and I and I know that that's like um Quentin Tarantino firmly believes the nineteen eighties were the worst period in all of cinema. Really? And I believe it's because of their regressive and conservative politics. And like, like, like even even worse than like the current era he would put the current era in the 1950s with it 
But I would also argue that the 1950s, the 1980s, and the current era are all the most conservative eras of cinema. Oh, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> 50s is like so... Yeah, peak. Although, now, like, yeah. Now is too, in its own way. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, well, and, and it's like, yeah, but for different... Uh, yeah, a different no. kind of conservatism. Yeah, a weird, yeah, yeah, 100%, like, yeah. But anyway, so she's in movies like she's she's in A Few Good Men, which is a big, mm-hmm. big, big one. But in movies like A Decent Proposal, Disclosure, The Scarlet Letter, and then all the way up to 1996's Striptease, which is kind oh. of the um, – was the big one that everyone kind mm-hmm. of really – turned on her i saw striptease when it came out <laughs> uh, for a variety of reasons we don't need to get into my immaturity or uh, whatever. yeah no that's yeah you were you were young gone it makes sense I was, I was 13 or 14 years old and it was like talked about in the press and stuff it's kind of like a if i remember correctly kind of like a floridian satire burt reynolds is in it um but it was um so I was looking back on it, and it's like, so it got like terrible. Everyone said it was like one of the worst movies ever made. Blah 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 blah. Uh, the movie made one hundred thirteen million dollars. Wow! Internet like uh, worldwide, which on a forty million dollar budget, and so it's like, so why are you like saying it's some sort of big flop, and that she's box office poison? Like that to me is a hit. Well, what's interesting, too, is, like, you look at, I'm just looking at her Wikipedia, and after G.I. Jane, it becomes, like, you have Deconstructing Harry, and then it sort of, like, becomes fallow for a little bit. It's really interesting. I don't, um, but, and I don't know. I know she put out a fairly tell-all autobiography that mm. listed that some ups and downs, and I think that there may have been some relationship issues. She weirdly married Ashton Kutcher. Um, oh yeah, that I do know. Yeah, and uh, I think there may have been some substance stuff. Um, mm. But the exciting thing is, is that I think I think that there's one more act in her career. Oh, for I sure, I would argue. And so, speaking of the word substance, she has a movie called Substance, The Substance, which is a body horror film. That oh. is that is she has just finished. I think shooting that. Um, Stars her and Margaret Qualley, and it's directed by a French director named Coralie Ferraget, who directed a really, really awesome, nasty feminist horror movie called Revenge. That uh, big fans, we're all big fans of in this house. And if she's bringing that element to a a movie in the States with uh, U.S. stars, I'm in. Count me in. I want to see this movie. <laughs> For sure. Because, like, she has, it's like, yeah, she has, I think De- Demi, Demi has it. She has, like, in, oh, she's, in... she's a star. She's a star. Yes. She's infinitely sure. watchable. She's an exciting personality. And I think she was, the, she's the right choice for G.I. Jane, especially at this point in her career where she was saying she wanted to do something physical, tough, and kind of against type. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's funny because it seems like she's someone who's, like, tried to, like, have those fill like I think she wants like this big film that can like showcase her skills and she just has always like had like not the best luck because I feel like she wanted to do something similar with the Scarlet Letter like I think yeah, that was like a stab my, for like Oscar nominations yeah, but that just my, didn't turn my, out properly and my guess is that the male executives painted her into a very horny corner the uh, their horniness corner which is gross and 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Just to be clear, it's not her. Like, I think like a lot of it is out of her control, unfortunately, which sucks. Yeah, man, <laughs> like, truly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, no one could hope that times have changed, but. I mean, I think like, well, and I think they're. I want Lady Red Demi more. That'll be cool. I like. I I would love to see her like kick ass. I get some <laughs> like get in some like, you know like I don't know like have Quentin Tarantino cast her in something or have Chris Nolan cast her in something. Yeah, you know something like, like a, that. Like a Daryl Hannah and Kill Bill or a Jennifer Jason Leigh in uh Hateful Eight. in a Hateful Eight. Exactly. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. ready for that. Get Absolutely. That. Uh, yeah. I mean, even saying that's weird. Just she she can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's sixty. She's ready for it. Yeah, she's ready. She's sixty. Yeah, I felt like immediately. I'm like, yeah, she's she finally got there. She finally, finally there. made it. Yeah, it took her do you, sixty do you, years. Do you do you think Clint Eastwood's finally gonna figure things out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Give him a few more years. Yeah, if you can do it. Jewel was like halfway there. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He was getting there with Richard Chua. I think he's yeah. got a next act that's really strong, though. Yeah. Gran Torino, too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's back and he dances now? Oh, Gran Torino, too. <laughs> they, they fly now? Yeah, he's going to be put in one of those movies where he's like a nostalgy old guy who's like, you know what you need to do to lighten up the tango or something like that. <laughs> I'm not doing a goddamn tango. Tango. <laughs> So Demi gets um, the script from Danielle Alexandra and is immediately like, hell yeah, this is timely. This is a rad part. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, hey, Trump. And um, with this package, this hot button issue, women in the military, hot button issue. But it was. I, yeah, I remember it. This was like... Um, I mean, this had like we're not gonna get to reaction right away, but this literally has similar reaction to Thelma and Louise of like, oh my god, women no, you know, yeah. it's just it, it's it shows so like, weird. Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. That's all What's, I want. Yeah, it's, no, but it's and it's fascinating too that like Scott is like once again weirdly on the cutting edge somehow. I know for a guy who is cons- who seems like he is a conservative. In most other ways. I think he's got that libertarian bent of, like, I don't give a shit. Just live your life. Don't fuck with yeah. me. Well, don't he's t- like, yeah. Well, I think we talked about it before. I think it's his biggest concern is paying taxes. Yes. 100%. He's an Adam Sandler Republican. He's like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah, he's a Sandler. He's a Sandlerite. Yeah, it's, which is like, yeah, like, you know, not the not the best, but not the worst. Well, it's like you're willing to suck it up through all of the ghoulish behavior to save Ten percent, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he's also, and I think he's also like that dude where, like, his like philosophy is very much like, "Hey, if you can keep up with me, we're on the yeah. same boat." Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and all all the gals that he gives um real nice roles to are all tough, yeah. uniformly, and they can hold oh, their own sure. in like fights and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, it, it's a difficult. Minefields, we'll put it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot going on. But uh so they uh all the studios all over town dug this mm-hmm. package. Oh. Uh, they though got excited about going to Caravan Pictures as their main producer, who was run by Roger Birnbaum and naturally a Zelig like figure, 
to mm. the Academy Academy, Joe Roth, oh. who, who has run multiple production companies all over the place, produced many, many things, and naturally directed Streets of Gold in 1986. Oh, my God. He, <laughs> this guy, he returns? Yes. yes. <laughs> a, a guy who... Uh, Oh, very badass. He don't even have his birthday on Wikipedia. He's hiding how old he is. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's also an owner of... Uh, part, he's the majority owner of the Seattle Washington Major League Soccer Team, the Seattle Sounders FC, which puts him in league with Jerry Bruckheimer, who owns the Seattle Hockey Team. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wild. Insane. Wild. <laughs> also, the director of Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, maybe, maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in a movie theater. Yeah, oh my it, god! Yeah, oh, and Revenge of the Nerds too. Nerds in Paradise. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, a guy who has just like made a fabulously successful and and seemingly endless career. Yeah, he's still doing it. He's, he produced F9. That probably booked him, like, tr- did the gray man. Shit. He, he produced Sandler and Hustle. But he's, uh, he is, yeah, he is just like, he wants yeah. another Sounders. He's going to get another one before he, he, yeah, he perishes. Like, yeah, like Mr. Hollywood success. So um, they went to his company. They snapped it up. They were like, hell yeah, we'll take this package deal. And simultaneously, Ridley Scott has decided... It is kind of dancing around and looking for his next move that perhaps another feminist action film mm. would be because it, it, arguably Alien and definitely Film and Louise fit this bill and arguably those were his two most successful movies. That's in so that is so that's this is it's so funny because like I should have seen this like coming based on those two movies alone but like i think part of it's because we didn't see thelma and lee or i didn't see thelma and louise yeah. beforehand and i didn't see this movie beforehand that oh, it is should be like... noted that this movie is new to both patrick and i we had not seen oh. this one before yeah this is a fresh one for both of us uh but like yeah that just like that's like a sig a significant strain in this guy's career or like a recurring theme is just fascinating and, and, in it, and it absolutely continues because i think you um both Prometheus and Alien Covenant, mm-hmm. Alien Covenant in particular, um, lean in in that direction. And um, just looking over things, House of Gucci. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah House of Gucci. I mean, I guess like that movie's uh, a trendsetter in the sense that like it's the first time like uh, a female lead in a film has been on insufferable at, at a Jared Leto level, <laughs> like. <laughs> I was talking, my my mom saw House of Gucci, and she was like, "I liked it." She's like, "They were kind of weird, weren't they?" I was like, "Yeah, they were kind of weird." Weird. <laughs> I mean, I'll be you know, I'll say it's a really fun. T- I'd like I, enjoy I like, it. Yeah, I, I like. I enjoy it too. It. It's yeah. really fun. I just always find like it's so funny when Lady Kaga is like, "I like uh, learned Italian. I did all these things. I went insane I know, for, for this like absolutely like kind of like." <laughs> Crashy 
unintentional comedy of the yeah chef boyardee italians which yeah. is great like, although it, i i i every time i'm looking for my car in a parking garage i say i love my stupid son it's so beautiful that moment is such a my favorite, true... scene, my favorite scene in the entire movie it has nothing to do with it like anything yeah. at all the love a love a father can have for his fail son is infinite it's just a beautiful yeah one of the og fail sons jared leto and Hasaguchi. <laughs> we will talk about Hasaguchi again someday soon Ooh, we will return uh it should also be noted as we dive into things a little bit further we will be spoiling this one this week because mm-hmm. uh, it's important to talk all the way through in this movie i think so if you want 35 minutes into our show stop now yeah <laughs> and it's uh you can v- rent it uh through any of the streaming service it's also currently on paramount plus showtime um i don't know if though it's leaving at the end of the month so get it in fast um yep blu-ray also available i did learn though that there was a whole bunch of special features on the laser disc that were not ported over to the blu-ray so the ridley scott commentary has been lost to laser disc history for the time being Ooh, someone needs to re. Uh, someone needs to find that bad boy. Someone needs to re. Uh, yeah. Indiana Jones that laser disc. Yeah, I'm curious <laughs> about what he has to say. I'm sure he uh, talks it over at all the technical specification and defends the shit out of it. That's usually the really Scott. Um, yeah, <laughs> commentary track. <laughs> uh, this part's actually good. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so he got a hands on a script, and I can see why all sides liked the idea of Ridley mm-hmm. Scott in the film doing the film uh he needed he could use it because he's succeeded in this area before he kind of was looking looking for the need for a hit and his success in this kind of area before is attractive mm-hmm. to daniel alexandra roger birnbaum demi moore Ooh. joe roth down the line all right. are like this seems like a good package so uh ridley was in and he started building out so let's get to the basic broad plot of this film which is fairly straightforward demi moore plays uh jordan lieutenant jordan o'neill topographical Mm. analyst uh in the u.s navy the who is um presented at the top of the film in a sequence among men kind of analyzing field footage and kind of a game plan and showing her intelligence and her skill set as like a good Navy officer. Uh, Meanwhile, simultaneously, there is a Senate subcommittee um, discussing the, you know, the idea that um, should the U.S. military and the Navy in in this instance be gender neutral? Leading the hearings is Senator Lillian DeHaven, played by Anne Bancroft, the great legendary Anne Bancroft. It was great to see her. You got to get a heavy hitter in this role, and they did. Um, She jumped on it. She liked the story, and she frankly said she was sick and tired of playing fucking grandmas. Yeah, she gets to play like a, an Ann Richards kind of uh, yeah. a little bit of a scumbag in there. I love it. Diane it's a great Feinstein role. Ann Richards kind of character. Uh, yeah, a little and, bit and, of yeah. Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> he got oh, it. yeah, gets you a fun accent. And, yeah. um, <laughs> I do declare. She, and the Secretary of the Navy is played by our beloved Daniel Van Bargen, who we last saw in Russia 
in Crimson yeah. Tide. Uh, he's George defected, is, folks. <laughs> he's defected. Now he's the Secretary of the Navy somehow. Um, <laughs> and he brings... He's perfect in the role. Yeah. He You don't trust him from the jump. You know he hates the, he hates the ladies in yeah. the military. And he's, you know, going to fight against it. There's a lot of negotiations going on. He want, but there's a deal struck basically that um, he can become the secretary of the navy if he allows for a few test cases mm. of women to integrate into the navy. One of so they begin looking at possible candidates for the most difficult uh, program. In the Navy, which is, of course, the um, in this film called the U.S. Navy uh, Combined Reconnaissance Team, um, might as well call them Navy SEALs mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for, you know, <laughs> and Jordan is a um, wonderful candidate. And as the film goes, we'll get into some more details after we get through the casting here. But um, as the film goes on, she is tested and the movie is essentially an endurance test for the most of the first act and the second act of how much she can handle in this um, hardcore training program that basically uh, most almost 60% of the candidates wash out of Mm. doesn't, you know, doesn't matter. The um, as is the case in all of these movies, she is surrounded by, Bunch of young actors trying to make their way, uh, uh in her, uh, yeah, among her candidates. Um, yeah, she had her, there's a posse. Probably most recognizable is Jim Caviezel as Slav Slavnik, um, <laughs> cool, who uh, gets the unfortunate role of being the um, kind of a salty guy mm-hmm. who leans in that direction. So there's. Two directions most of these guys can three directions most of these guys can go in. Mm. There is the rare, but um of course it's only with the African American soldiers sympathy, the outsider, yeah. the outsiders uh joining in with outsiders. Mm-hmm. There are the tough guys who just hate women. Yes. And then there are the tough guys who hate women who also want to assault them. Yes. And like, those yeah. are those are three categories of recruits. <laughs> yeah, those are the three types of Marines in this movie. Three types of Marines. Jim Caviezel falls into the worst option. Three. Yeah. There. <laughs> the least uh, good. Morris Chestnut uh plays Lieutenant the wonderfully named Lieutenant McCool. Um cool oh, yeah. name. Cool name, dude. Who is sympathetic <laughs> to uh Jordan, the first guy. Uh David Vadim plays Sergeant First Class Cortez, who's kind of the hard-ass, who takes the longest time to um, mentally wrap his head around a lady serving alongside of him. What the Um, hell, a woman? What the hell? Boyd Kessner plays Wickwire, who's... uh, And um, Josh Hopkins plays Flea Montgomery. Yeah. So good names. Gotta gotta (laughs) hand it to him. Good names. Down the line. Um, And... They are, as we mentioned, varying degrees of um, skepticism over yeah. her involvement here. So um, she arrives at camp, though. She meets first Captain Salem, played by the great Scott Wilson, uh, who you recognize from a million things. Uh, oh, prob- yeah. 
uh, Walking Dead. Um, mm-hmm. it was his his final kind of big role. He passed away a few years back. Um, but a, a great actor. You know, he's in in the Heat of the Night. He's in in Cold Blood. Um, bunch of cool seventies movies. He's in the right stuff. So, um, yeah, down the line, good actor. A lot of uh, his final role was actually in a western called Hostels, which I actually think is a pretty underrated movie. With oh Christian yeah, Bale. That, that's a Scott Cooper joy. I like Scott Cooper. He's like yeah. uh, he's like one of those like uh, he's like one of the few workman directors in Hollywood two but... who have emerged in recent years, like who just yeah. kind of make like middle of the road movies. Yeah, for like adults. Yeah, like for non superhero yeah. middle of the road films, and it's kind of yeah. cool that like he's he's like one of the few people keeping that like that flame alight. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing he's made. They've let him make six movies. Kind of amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like him and Brad Furman. They have to like they they have the world on their shoulders. Those two oh, poor guys. <laughs> they are the Kurt Fullers of their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's the end of an era. Uh, but we meet though. Also, I don't know if you know this. Uh, one of the instructors, also at the, is instructor Max Pyro. Great name is played Good by name. Kevin Gage, Wayne Grow. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. Ah! He's like Vigo's number two guy, and in the, in the part where Vigo's like waterboarding her, and he he's the guy who walks out like I don't think you you're gone too far. Like, yeah. Wayne Grow thinks you've gone too far. Like, yeah, no, you have an issue. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne. yeah, I know. <laughs> like even Wayne Grove's like giving you side eyes. Even Wayne Grove's giving you side. And it should also be noted that Jason Beggy, who we last saw as the guy Thelma and Louise throwing the trunk, the state the trooper mm-hmm. in Thelma and Louise, is Lieutenant Commander Royce Harper, uh colleague naval colleague of Jordan O'Neill and lover. Oh. <laughs> yeah, which we maybe uh... maybe uh, inappropriate. Yeah, a little bit. These days, I'm sure the Navy yeah. would look down on it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a, a frown. It's like a bigger issue than her being a lesbian, which comes yes! up, folks. We'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, oh, brother. Yeah, oh, brother. Oh, He's brother. in it, but kind of the real secondary lead and the lead in our hearts. I think. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Academy, maybe the lead of the Academy Academy story is, of course, Vigo Mortensen, who plays Command Master Chief John James Jack Urgale. What a name. Yes. Oh, my God. He got Master Chief. is either Vigo or Master Chief or Urgale. As we go here, um, he is the lead trainer of the Navy SEALs. Patrick noted he shows up dressed exactly like Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911. It's very Dangle-esque. Just as, just as uh, proud as Dangle, too. <laughs> but much more effective. Much more effective. and yeah, I, don't, I don't think Dangle can, can so train these folks. Ridley says he saw Vigo first in Indian Runner, the Sean Penn movie, oh. which was kind of a breakthrough lead role. For Vigo on the indie scene, uh, but then also, of course, noticed him in his brother Tony's film *Crimson Tide*. Mm-hmm. Um, and was like, "I love." And this is one of Vigo's first roles he got that he was just chosen for, that he did not have to really audition for or anything like that. They were like, "We want you." And he said that it was like a felt like a career breakthrough for him to get that oh, wow. feeling of like, "Oh, you know, I don't have to like fight with." 15 other guys who look exactly like me 
mm-hmm. <laughs> for, you know, they yeah. want me for me, which is a nice feeling for Vigo. And congrats in 1997 for that Vigo. <laughs> yeah, you made it through the you made it through the gates, brother. And he is um by a wide margin the most fully formed character. Yes. In this movie. He is the most three-dimensional character in the film. Uh he reads poetry and difficult novels while yeah. simultaneously waterboarding women. Yeah. Uh it's a lot. Many there's many shades to this man. Yeah, and it's like, and some good, some bad. He yeah. plays him very like complicated. It's an intro. Yeah, he. It is. It is such a bummer that like inadvertently, this movie. Yeah, yeah like a movie that's ostensibly about you know Debbie Moore's character that the by far the most intriguing character is yeah Vigo like this like yeah this enigmatic uh troll. You know, this master chief who almost is like kind of like a professor sometimes, it feels like, or like, yeah, just like a. But he's, he's, yeah. he's also so unpredictable. You don't know if he's going to be like kind or punchy in the face in every single scene he's in. Yes. Which is awesome. Very intriguing character. Mm-hmm. Keeps you on your toes, 100%. And, yeah, and you're absolutely right because they did not do that to Ripley or Thelma Louise. They didn't no. like sideline them for a better written um, male supporting character that is so yeah because it's not that like michael madsen or uh harvey Keitel, you know they had their moments very in this movie, good sure yeah yeah well one thing about that movie is that every character really gets like that movie is like weirdly fleshed out uh character wise yeah in a, a way well, that i mean it's yeah. academy award-winning script it's one of the better scripts of the, oh 100 I mean, yeah and, and it's kind of rude maybe it's rude to compare about these but like uh yeah like i think that's like the thing that i'm i'm kind of personally missing is like a little bit more like just texture and depth from like you know demi moore's character even like the little side characters i don't know yeah so yeah, i guess um in Tarantino's book, he relates a story that he watched Shampoo with Callie Corey, screenwriter of um, Oh, really? He had her over to watch that, and when it was over, she's like, so just about a guy who does hair? <laughs> he's cool. I like... <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, but uh, yeah. He's... <laughs> there's other stuff. There's, there's other, other stuff. stuff. There's, there's yeah. other stuff happening there. <laughs> We're babies doing things. Come on. It's yeah, I I love that movie, but it's very funny. It's like you know, she's such a strong screenwriter. It's like so structure oriented stuff like that. This like meandering movie about a guy who just sleeps with the women he's cutting their hair. So yeah, <laughs> like it's... yeah, that didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, I need a little plot, sir. <laughs> but um, so Vigo is totally unpredictable, and I think that it was really wise that he didn't play him like Arlie Ermy, who kind of created the drill instructor type role yeah that everyone like copies to this day yeah like you know because that's like yeah that's jamie fox and jarhead that's you know yeah pretty much every any drill instructor is just going to be a loud screaming guy because thank of, you for uh, reminding me of uh jarhead too i've got a connection to jarhead i want to bring up a little oh, bit later on interesting. remind may need to remind me again <laughs> okay I'll, I'll keep it in my back pocket so so um Oh, and it should also be noted that David Tui, who is a major league screenwriter. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Pitch Black. He, he wrote The Fugitive as well. 
Um, oh, okay. So that's like I didn't. Yeah. So he has bona fides for sure. Yeah, yeah. He he. Is. I mean, this this is a heavy hit. You know, heavy hitter. Yeah. Uh, he was brought in to do rewrites on this mm. and ended up getting a co-writing credit with Danielle Alexandra. And I think um, the third act is him. Yeah. Is my is is the impression that I get. Um, so basically, uh, as I mean, it, there's one of the big issues with this movie is that you can kind of guess all the beats. It's all the soldiers, Vigo, Scott Wilson. They're all really um, skeptical mm-hmm. of her. Um, she goes through a bunch of shit, and then there's a big, you know, big scene where she shaves her head. Yeah. And she wants to sleep in the same barracks as the guys and all that kind of stuff. And the shaving her head thing was like the media was in a frenzy. They're like, well, what the it. fuck? What the hell? Lady with no uh, hair. Is that uh, even possible? I'm going to throw up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Just it, like uh, Kyle Smith re- is vomiting. It makes me re question my masculinity. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Georgia, this... who's the football guy? That's the conservative football guy at the for the Washington Post. George George Will is just like yeah. having a heart attack. He's dying. Oh yeah, it's a National Review crowd just yeah. is shooting their pants <laughs> over this. Armand White is a ghost looking at his oh, body he... from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guaranteed there are essays yeah. written by those guys. Like, how would she? Why would she? She's such a beautiful woman. Why would she want to like? lose any of her femininity it's like oh fuck you <laughs> yeah it, it, I, the, it's so funny i have my hot take on that scene is that on one hand it's weird you think that would have happened like earlier that like they you think you'd have to do it yeah exactly and they that probably is the case but that being said i think that was actually a well shot yeah. scene and i actually kind of like i was like oh it's making me respond to this cinematically i get why this is in this weirdly yeah. enough i didn't and think i would yeah i didn't find it annoying i thought it would be annoying i kind of like the uh it was a very really way of doing it um whereas like david fincher's i like the like shocker reveal of ripley just like wiping the mirror in alien 3 and all mm-hmm. of a sudden is bald mm-hmm. like we don't see ripley cut her hair off in Alien right. 3. Speaking of uh, action lead female characters who shave their heads on screen. Um, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> also should be noted that Ridley apparently went to um, watch some SEAL training exercises and de- declared it decidedly not cinematic enough. So many of the things in this film are a little fantastical. Yes. Yeah. Ridley is about the movie first, baby. <laughs> That's the thing. He's a movie first guy. Yeah, like as much as he's like a technical dude, he's also like a, it has to pop. It has to be look cool. It has to look cool. And you know what uh, looks cool? Uh carrying stuff <laughs> from one side of a beach push, to push, another. Pushing boulders up <laughs> holding boats over your head in the water. Yeah. Uh, it's carrying really like Yeah. It's really tough, but damn it, she's making her way through. Yeah. Like, and she makes it through, and they're all like, "Oh my god, whoa!" It's there's a media frenzy. The media's calling her GI Jane. Yeah, and um, everyone is growing a bit concerned that she's going to actually make it through. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it is and, wild. And it is. Then 
they are moved to this place called SEER Training in Captiva, Florida. SEER stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. It is like a war game situation of the highest, like the closest to reality that it could get. Basically, they have to infiltrate this base. While they're there, she's been named leader of the crew. Cortez mm-hmm. and Cavizel um, disregard her orders, causing the entire crew to get captured. Yeah. And Vigo becomes like a torturer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get information to get them to talk mm-hmm. which leads to he does it to a few of the guys and I think that really does a really good job here of like we know that he's going to get to Demi mm-hmm. but he holds it for as long as possible it's like oh my god what are they going to do and like seeing what's happening to the other guys it's like and it cuts to the other guys knowing the other guys being like are they going to like do, is he going to do this to her? Is he going to do the yeah. same shit to her as he's doing to us? Um, and he finally takes her in. She won't talk. And he begins like torturing her. Yeah, basically. like really like going like, like going above and beyond. Like I like, think like he... to the point where Wayne Girl leaves. He, he's this is too much for me. And then he takes her outside in front of everyone else and starts doing it in front of her entire crew, which yes. kind of repulses them. And um, well, not more than kind of, it repulses them. <laughs> yeah, it's repulsive for sure. And but then she starts to like, she gets a move out and she starts to fight back, and it turns into this bloody fist fight yeah. between the two of them, where all the soldiers are like cheering her on. Like stop, and she won't quit. She's like got a full crimson mask on her face, like wrestling style. And Vigo style. does too, and which is like cool. Busted up big time as well. Yeah, and he's like talk, 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 and then she's like, she screams at him, "Suck my dick!" And that is the showstopper moment of the entire yeah. movie. That this After, is like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just saying this is like by far the most cinematic interesting moment in the film and it and it's just like the intensity of her like you know she goes through the struggle and having her say suck my dick and then like everyone kind of like I think there's like a point where everyone just starts chanting suck my dick which is really yeah. funny to me but it feels it, it they sell it it works like and Vigo yeah. calls and Vigo calls the fight and walks away yeah but it, 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 the only other scene I can think of that I've seen and it has a completely different theme to it that had but has similar power is the scene in True Romance with Patricia Arquette and James Gandolfini. Oh yeah, that's actually an interesting where it's like it's on one hand it like it almost like crosses the line taste wise, but then it yeah. kind of goes around goes over the edge. Like the really fact- heroic, yeah, kind of feel. Except this one has this extra layer of them somehow finding respect in each other Mm -hmm. from it. It's almost like a masculine thing. You got to beat the shit out of each other to have respect for each other. Yeah. It's like the only way. Definitely a healthy masculine thing. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. This is, this is not the end. You know, don't worry. Don and I have not beat the shit out of each other in order to become podcast hosts. When I joined our, my our improv team, sweet Dalai Lama, of course there was a phase where cozy like had, the guys and Lauren beat the shit out of me. Yeah. To kind of 
jump me into the group. So <laughs> I was gonna say I might cut this out, but a, a non-Jewish guy on our team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but hey, he earned our, this Gentile's funny. He's earned our yeah. respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like man, Gentiles can be funny too. Yeah. Hey, Gentiles. <laughs> I think this is funny. I think it's okay. It's yeah, up. it's okay. It's okay. We'll keep it in. We'll keep yeah. it in. We're keeping it in. Let us know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let, us let us know. know if you're deeply offended by anything. Yes. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Um so simultaneously um, it is discovered that Senator Lillian DeHaven, remember her, and Bancroft Ooh. of Texas, uh, is they're going to um, shut down multiple military bases Ooh. in her region that, of course, jobs and all that and could lead to political complications for the senator. Keep mm. that in mind. So Demi has, in her battle with Vigo, earned the respect of her teammates, earned the respect of Vigo Mortensen. Wow. They go out for beers. And then it's kind of, and then Demi gets word from Jason Beggy back, her man on the inside mm-hmm. and lover, <laughs> Royce, <laughs> uh, that there's some weird stuff going on, that they're monitoring her very closely, that the media is going nuts over this. Then, after she hangs with the boys, um, there's a contingent of nurses who all seem to be um, interested in the same sex. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't know. I can't yeah. really explain this. I'm just just stating what happens in the movie. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, no, this isn't. Yeah, to be clear, like it's just. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's very it's, odd. It's a strange thing. So she goes out and hangs out with them, and she's photographed in doing so. And in the press, it's brought out that she is a lesbian, mm. which we know because she's already sharing a sexy bubble bath with uh, Commander Royce. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, she's, she's not. They they really do a good not, job of establishing, yeah. Not that it matters at all. No, no, it doesn't. It's uh, almost like it if anything, it's, it's yeah. It's and it's a little. It's, it's adding. A, it's it's adding another like '90s and now culture war kind of element to the mix. And she's like, "Who released these photos? Who's taking all these photos of me? It's got it." And she like accuses like the Navy guys and stuff like that. But then it's figured out. It's actually her benefactor. The senator has released the photos because she wants the project to fail because she needs oh, to dear. keep those military bases with her deal with the secretary of the Navy. It's kind of confusing. So Demi quits. She can't take it anymore. And not because of the challenge, but everyone's disappointed, including Vigo. They're like, man, I actually think we had something kind of good going here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But then she takes her ass to like Congress to get in the face of the senator and it's kind of like she threatens to expose her who then has the char- things are voided charges are voided oh is it charge oh because it was still don't ask don't tell and all that 
It's like, a, right. like she's legitimately being charged for being a lesbian, which is even stupider. It is um, like, yeah, there's it's just like, yeah, it's like a definitely just in, in a weird artifact from a more Byzantine time. Yeah, which is actually not that long ago, folks. Yeah, literally, yeah, <laughs> we're both alive. <laughs> like, I was in high school. It does not feel like we all know, like once you like graduate from high school, time stops and you just think you're that old for the rest of your life. Yes. Um, you know, so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It is, and it's still, I mean, all this stuff is still there and differing variations. And it's just like, oh, for sure. What a bunch of bullshit to get yourself all wrapped up in and be upset about. Somebody mm-hmm. wants to serve in the Navy SEALs is crazy enough to go through fake waterboarding. Let him do it. That's really Scott's yeah. point of view too. Let him do yeah, it. Yeah, go to that, that, Well, that's like the entire. That's the entire the thesis of the film. It's just like ah, go to town, and yeah, it's her like. You yeah, if you want to do it, have fun. Go to town. Yeah, this, I mean, this does not appeal. Does not seem particularly appealing, but um, yeah, yeah. if you want to, I mean, smoke so... <laughs> him if you got know. him. Yeah, smoke him if you yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep going back to well, if you could dodge a wrench, you could dodge a ball. <laughs> That is the thesis of this film is like, yeah, like being hit. It's like you're yeah. joining Riptor's dodgeball team. That is you know? it. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe. So um, somehow she gets put back in to the military. And this leads to a semi, a fairly confounding third act, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is straight out of Top Gun. We noticed this in our discussion earlier off mic. It's basically it's like a training move, and then we have to like go do like a war game or war situation to show mm-hmm. how all the training works. And that was Ridley's thought. They went into shooting it, and Ridley shut down production for about six weeks, mm-hmm. so they could rewrite the third act to send Vigo, Demi, and the gang to Libya. And I was really surprised. This has got to be one of the last of its kind that names actual countries and actual, like, dictators. Right, yeah. It's like, yeah, because at this point, you really can only... It's, it's pretty much, like, North Korea. That's, like, the only one you can probably get away with nowadays. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, if you watch, like, even Dunkirk, they never even say the Germans. Yeah! Well, they don't want to... Yeah, Germany, then, they want to sell tickets there, too. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, watch Top Gun Maverick. It's the enemy. Like, we yeah. don't even aim, like, the the flight path in to where they have to, like, drop the bomb and stuff like that. It's purposely, like, I have no idea where they are. Like, we've gone through desert. Now it's their snow and mountains yeah, and stuff like what, that. What country is this? And that's so purposeful because they don't want to lose one ticket. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it's why the Tomorrow War isn't against, like, you know, oh, oh, the Swedes. Why, or something. But that's also why, like, sci-fi and the Marvel stuff is so pushed. Yeah. Because you're like, you go to space, Battle of Purple Man. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, Instead of, like, yeah, whoever, like, the uh, U.S. government uh, feels is yeah, the like, baddie an, of, the, of the week. Enemy of the moment. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Russia back in the game as an enemy yeah. in movies to come, but... Maybe I mean, like, yeah, they're always going to be, even as, like, yeah, they're always going to be the mooks, no matter what. Yeah, yeah, but so, it was very surprising. It's like, yeah, we landed in Gaddafi's backyard. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I was really surprised to hear that. I was like, yeah. wow. It's like My, wow, it's my like boy, very, Mamar, yeah. Yeah, very real. Um, <laughs> and so, basically, like, they're, I think that they're, like, the closest ones there 
Like, and oh, there, there's a big are, are they ready moment? Vigo's mm. asked. And so they get sent in to rescue. It's kind of confusing, mm-hmm. in all honesty, what their mission is. Right. And I think the big reason why it's so confusing is Vigo going completely one man army. Like, which is so strange. He's like the most controlled guy. He's like, no, I got this. I'll take all the help. You guys get yeah. out. Like, it was so weird that he went against protocol and fired that shot when she was down there with the guy around the corner and everything like that. And so I think it's working in two reasons. He still is playing father to her. Mm-hmm. And, mm. and two, and they never say it out loud, but the entire vibe I got, he doesn't get to see action. He just trains the people who get to see action. And so oh. he's been dying to prove himself for all these years. Yeah, he wants his Rambo moment. Yeah, for sure. but why yeah. are you giving that to the supporting character? Yeah, all the to- interesting stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's so funny because, like, it. There is like this, like this, this like vein throughout the movie of like Moore's character being kind of like, like caring or like you know weirdly like she's always the character that they like uh, single out as the one that will like grab your hand or like give you some food if you need it yeah. or this like that all the way to like the very end of the you know the the climax of the film where she like yeah, saves Vigo she has and- to, yeah I mean which is a correct storytelling move that she has to save Vigo. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. But I think that like, because that veins and they like, she gets, they, in order for her to save Vigo, Vigo has to be a crazy, you know, kill them all type guy. And so he gets to have like the coolest moment, unfortunately. Yeah. He gets to do all the cool stuff. Yeah. And then they give her like, and then she's like the mom. She gets to like, she, she has to save the kid. Yeah. But it's also, it is like, it is bad. Like I love, it's a very easy in any war movie mm-hmm. when someone has to run through fire to grab somebody else's down. <laughs> yeah, it's all, that it is works, really it works in every war movie. It is cool. I do agree with that. It is like a cool and I and I do like that. Like, you know, maybe like it would have been interesting if like you saw other people learning from Demi Moore's like, you know, like she's giving people food. Maybe other people start giving people food or something like that. Like that. Maybe that like rubs off on other people because that's like the right mentality. You need a It's like the teammate mentality. Like Vigo Mortensen says when he like, you know, gives Cortez or Caviezel. I forget which one shit when they're like on the uh, they're on the boats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't know. Maybe that's like the thing because it just it just feels like um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Know, I guess I'm just. Uh... Well, I think that they were really wary of mm-hmm. making her a difficult person. Oh yeah, that's true. You don't want her to be like. Uh... Yeah, you can't have her be a jerk. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. or like Thelma Louise. There, which they shouldn't have done. No. Like, yeah. Make her independent. Yes, but she's like a total like company man soldier. At the yeah, end of the day, is, she is. Yeah, she is just by the book. Like, yeah. Oh man, if someone else was giving her the food and she was like, "Fuck you," like that's that could have been interesting. Yeah, like, no, what, you're yeah, right. Like, have her like get in a fist fight with Caviezel when he comes onto her or something. Yeah, have like, her kick kick him in the nuts like Vigo. Like, <laughs> yeah, and so it's just like, and I get it though at the same time, but it's also like. I get it because they. I think that there's a concern about that this weirdly this movie is going to be weirdly controversial. 
So they mm-hmm. want her to like be fairly angelic and just like by the book that maybe because she, if she's not by the book, they'll wash her out faster. Right. Um, right, right, right. You know, if it really had guts, they would have had her be gay too. Yeah. Honestly, well, God, you have that one fucking scene in the beginning where they're like looking at like different ladies, and they they see like one woman who I guess is like a muscle builder, or whatever, yeah. and they're like, "We can't have this. She's a dang hog, or whatever." And it's yeah, like, they gotta get something. Yeah, they gotta get like a babe who they yeah, can also like... put on the cover of People magazine or something. <laughs> yeah, like, that. like it's like this. This lady has to make me horny. Like that's like, yeah, it, but at the same time, not at all. Which is, yeah. again, I guess this would be as good time ever to kind of discuss the way Ridley shoots her throughout the movie, which is an attempt to make her tough mm-hmm. and, like, one of the guys. But at the same time, there's sweaty, half-naked, one-arm push-up training montages that, for some people out there, would find quite fetishistic. Yeah, it's yeah. You're, <laughs> some people will do Tex Avery googly eyes to yeah. those scenes. <laughs> yeah, and some, and some will be like the wolf. Yeah, we we were talking about like the but the the double standard though, because in every single Stallone movie, he has the exact same scene mm-hmm. where he's half naked doing like push ups and shit like that, like training yeah. for something, mm-hmm. and how it's like seen as like badass and a dude getting ready for a fight, and this is like on the verge of sexualization like yeah. is that is that the male gaze is that just the unfortunate like histo- history in hollywood of that or is was stallone sexualized and we just never really noticed it because it's stallone yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is it like a is that like a weird like uh you know is that putting us in our place a little bit like is it like is that like the film yeah. being like hey you shouldn't be horny here like that's your it's yeah, on you, to... you well i i think that's that's also why they include that scene where vigo walks in on her in the shower and they, oh yeah he is naked in that scene and like the camera though kind of st- for there's some brief moments on her but it kind of lingers on vigo to see how he is like moving his eyes basically right he can't you help know? it yeah yeah and he does he does check her out he can't yeah that's yeah. the thing for it's like it's like and it's funny because he does not want to he doesn't want to do it that's the most interesting character in the entire movie god <laughs> damn it gi jane come on gi vigo <laughs> Yeah, Vigo. <laughs> he, he is, but he's also his performance is terrific. He's a he's great, great actor. He's a great actor. Like, it, it, it is like, yeah, it is just one of those things where like this his character uh, as a juxtaposition to Demi Moore's becomes so much more fascinating. And it's like, yeah, it's tough. It's it's a tough it's a tough situation for the script to be in. I, yeah. and, and and it doesn't hurt, and it doesn't help that like Vigo is just a fucking good actor yeah and yeah and yeah it's just i mean he's he's tremendous in the film and i think that it's just this is a really hard one yeah there's a a really hard one for them to get it you know and also it should be noted that um they had zero military support for this one oh wow um unlike some of our other action fiascos um (laughs) the they read the script and they're like you gotta change a million things Yep. Starting with they wanted all cursing removed. Come on. 
But yeah, it's so no military support. They had to steal shots. They ended up setting up one of their camps on this waterfront that they knew that um, aircraft carriers and battleships passed by. Mm -hmm. So they could steal shots of the boats in the background passing by. Ah. Good. That's old school movie making. Nowadays, you would just CGI it, but uh, good stuff. So yeah, no military support, no press support. Like this is a well. hard movie, man. And what seemed back, we go back, cut back to a year, year or so prior when the script was being handed around. Everybody was like, "We got a sure thing on our hands." It's like <laughs> it's not as much of a sure. It's like movies are hard. Like yeah, because it does seem like oh yeah, why not? Especially in the '90s, this very '90s type movie and story. Mm. And so. Got to the end of the movie. We'll get to some of the reaction again and we'll loop back around in a moment here. Um, Vigo's hit in combat in the leg. And mm. the guys, though, and Demi really step up. They work as a team. She does an awesome hero moment where she gets to run in and pull Vigo out of the line of fire, drags him out of there. They get to the boats. We don't lose anybody, which actually I liked. I didn't want to lose anybody. Yeah, um, same. It's unnecessary in a movie like this. Yeah. Uh, Vigo's hit, but he's okay. And um, we cut to graduation. She's made it. She's been accepted with the, with the guys. Um, and um, accepted to the CRT. Oh, I can't believe I left that on the table. The amount of times they say CRT in this movie. <laughs> it is a lot of... <laughs> I can only picture like Ron DeSantis accidentally watching this movie and being triggered all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? Oh, in the military? We're going to ban this movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, it's a Disney movie. So, yeah, it's definitely on his oh. hit list. <laughs> yeah. This is, yeah, it's a touchstone flick. It's a Disney movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I saw this movie the other day and I was so offended. It came out 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. And we can't have any CRT in the military. What if your kids end up watching G.I. Jane? Trust yeah, do you me. think? Trust me, they're not going back to watch this movie, Ron. <laughs> like, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> they're not going to get woke from watching G.I. Jane. God damn. <laughs> no, nothing changes, right? Nothing. nothing no, changes. it's the same goblin ghoulish. Yeah, it would be yeah, like they would have had um, Vigo or Scott Wilson or Daniel Von Bargen use the word woke. <laughs> in if it, this came out today Without although that would like I'm not gonna lie if like I saw a movie similar to this today and someone like that said I would lose like an eighth of my soul like that would no, I would feel like I would feel a bit of my ghost leaving my body like that well this one if this movie came out today they do all of the boring stuff and none of the interesting stuff would be in this movie yeah and there wouldn't be any of that Ridley Scott flair where, like, yeah. it's like, we're going to make this cinematic. We're going to have, like, weird... Yeah, like... it would be super boring. It would be like journalism, the movie. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you know what I want my uh, my military training movie to be shot like? Spotlight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the movie I want it to be again, yeah. too. Yeah, come on. Uh, oh, make movies cool again. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, hey, and I said it was someone who likes Spotlight. Like, that movie's shot... Yeah you know find the way it is it's just that like but hey you i know boy we've had a few tangents here but you watch all the president's men mm -hmm. that movie they shoot the shit gordon willis makes that movie look like a 
billion dollars. It looks awesome the way they oh. shoot the newsroom scenes. It, so it shows it is possible to make this shit cinematic. Yeah, it's got to do a little to, bit more. Yeah, you don't have to shoot a movie. You, you don't have to shoot your journalism movie like the fucking office, dude. Yeah. yeah. yeah you don't have to use that damn lighting. You can make it look cool. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Don't. Sh- yeah. Don't shoot it like you're at a Staples at seven o'clock at night. Like I know. that that ugh. Yeah, I'm gonna Out spotlight with that. spotlight. The spotlight is on Don falling asleep. Todd <laughs> <laughs> McCarthy more like uh Tom McSnooze. Yeah, I know. No. And again, <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great movie. And hey, and look, it's surprising to I love the visitor, love the station agent. Although I feel like if I watch the visitor now, maybe that movie is like aged weirdly. I don't know. It's not me. It's yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, we folks, we love Richard Jenkins. That's well, the, yeah, he's he's another guy you put in that uh, Scott Cooper realm, though, too. Mm, uh, true. Not, not too flashy, but somehow he also won Best Picture. <laughs> like it's so I, funny. It should have been. I know it's not an Academy Award type movie. It should have been Mad Max Fury Road that year. Man. Mm. Like, yeah, in maybe. Ter- yeah. Like, in terms of if you think like achievements of what is possible within this medium. Yeah. I just don't think there's a question. Well, you know what? Yeah, something. Here's the thing. Once Hurt Locker beat Avatar. Avatar. And look. Hurt Locker, I think, might be a better movie than Avatar, at least on, like, How can you even paper? compare them? Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, it's apples yeah. and fucking well, oranges. Awards, awards are stupid. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah, they're <laughs> all bad. They're, goddamn, yeah. all these rabbit holes I, we want to go to. It's like, well, it's like all that turkey we've eaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down to our yeah. brains. Yeah. All that tryptophan. So, um, uh, Vigo gives O'Neill his Navy Cross for saving his life. And a book of poetry by T.H. Lawrence, including the short poem yeah. Self Pity, as acknowledgement yeah. of her accomplishment and gratitude and his gratitude for him for their time together and saving his life. Yeah, a little slow mo cam of uh, her looking up, you know, like mournfully at, like, you're like, oh, and thank Vigo you. And a leg, Vigo in a leg brace, the father daughter possible romantic <laughs> pedophile. Not yeah. pedophile. What is yeah. sort of uh, incestual? Other yeah. weird sexual yeah. stuff. Yeah, father, yeah, father lover sort of thing. Father lover, daddy, daddy lover. Yeah, <laughs> uh, circle is complete. Um, but she's still with uh, Royce. Um, and that's that. I yeah, was, <laughs> that was Jim Chain. Uh, oh my god, yeah. They, they, it, it, it's a complicated movie. And I think because it's complicated, because they don't really like the politics were tricky. Though they should not mm-hmm. have been. Um, Jordan is unfortunately one note, and I think it's due to politics and due to the desire to show, you know, to not single her, to show, like, okay, yeah, this is good. <laughs> trying to pick up the transition here. <laughs> to show that she can be part of this organization. This movie mm. is about assimilation rather than independence. Oh, how about yeah. that? That's, <laughs> man, dude, put that on the fucking put that laser the disc box <laughs> set. Yeah, <laughs> because in Ian, Ian Nathan's book, he says that the goals of Thelma and Louise are escape from the man's world. Mm-hmm. The goal of Jordan O'Neill seems to be to 
simply join the man's world and prove she can be part of the man's world and belongs within still the man's world rather than saying all of this is bullshit why are you torturing me and all of you men are assholes i'm out of here and i guess that decides on who you want to be do you want the system to remain the same but more open-minded or do you think the system sucks and you just kind of want to drop out of the system and where you fall in that standard Mm. And I know that where I stand, because I've got the hippie-ish mentality of thinking, I just want to bail on the system. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, I think it's also, you know, go back to improv a bit. UCB mm -hmm. has been accused of cult-like mentality. Yeah. And it, or, you know, I used to do CrossFit. CrossFit accused of that as well. Yeah. And I think it's like... Joining things makes me personally uncomfortable and mm. going all in. It's like a church religion. Yeah, the oldest, yeah. The oldest version of this. Yeah. <laughs> the original cult. Yeah. The original cult religion. Um, <laughs> and you know, as a natural skeptic, you know, I was texting you beforehand. I was like, why, why does she even want to do this? It's never explained. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, because she can, and because like there are people who just want to be a part of man a, of something yeah and it actually is most people because we're social animals and we've created these hierarchies and within these clubs mm -hmm. <laughs> whether your club is improv or whether your club is christianity right. um that and i guess from my mind it's like why perpetuate the shittiness by just allowing people in then get to the core of the shittiness itself which is the program and the desire right. for power and the natural hierarchies that occur because power feels is corrupting and necessary yeah those are big questions i don't know yeah <laughs> and they're not yeah and they're definitely not answered in this like the closest you get to answering those questions in this movie is you see uh vigo mortensen reading like the was it the jam code novel dusklands which i think which is, is about like the viet like america's involvement in the yeah. vietnam war to a certain is, degree which is, but I don't think the real guy would do that. No, no, at all. And it's a character thing. It's probably something Vigo himself brought into it. Yeah, well, and it's funny because, like, that's like the one his character doesn't really do anything else. Like, he never questions the system he's in, he questions his own actions sometimes. But, but... which is also why, why he would go off the grid in the final sequence if he's such a company man. Yeah, because that's against protocol. Right, right. He he bunk. He he he. Yep. He it's, maybe yeah. it's maybe it's just mediocre, <laughs> and they didn't uh, didn't they like, didn't think about it. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, that's fine. The last two weeks we've been trying to solve things on this show with the fan <laughs> last week and this one this week, and maybe it just didn't work out all the way. Just doesn't. Yeah, get all the which way is there. which is you know, and that's fine. Like it's interesting. It's it is like. The more I watch this, the more I do have I create I uh, garner an appreciation for craft. Yeah, uh, and it is like this is for the most part a well shot film in my opinion, like a well like made like technical film. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, especially when you like look at movies that have been made like how movies are made now currently, like uh, as if they're all Netflix TV movies or whatever. Yeah. 
Like, it is nice to see something of this scope. It's kind of like how, like, watching Bad Boys, I had that same feeling of, like, oh, wow, they're going into, like, like supermarkets and there's stuff on the actual... It doesn't feel like they're just walking into, a, like, a green screen room. Stuff is mm. happening. There's there's depth. There's always depth to whatever's occurring on screen. Well, I think that there's... <laughs> there, and that's something that's interesting is kind of with this project. It's like we are mourning the loss of these this vis these visual flourishes and i think this kind of almost this entire story goes back to kind of our reaction to ambulance earlier this mm. year which is like how much we like liked ambulance and we're like all oh, the visual flourishes nothing looks like this nothing is this frankly irresponsible but at the mm. same time that irresponsibility of some of these movies does need to be called out still Yes, like it was oh, in the I... 90s like it because these movies were called out for being irresponsible in the 90s and we can look back on them with rose-colored glasses because we like the look of them and we like the, the aesthetic, and yeah. the aesthetics and the personality of them. Mm -hmm. But that does not necessarily mean that they are responsible movies or even... But what is moral responsibility in the way? Our filmmakers, do they owe you moral responsibility? I, I don't yeah, know. That's like another layer. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, it's like a, maybe it's like a, you know, like on one hand, um, do I hold this, you know, I think on one hand, of course, I don't think filmmakers should be like arbiters. That's and I know that you agree with me there too. Mm -hmm. But like, um, but uh, yeah, do you hold up a Bad Boys to the same? Do you hold up a GI Jane to the same standards as a Bad Boys? Does it perhaps need higher standards? You know, eh, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. I mean, and this goes back to, I mean, I was just at the Academy Museum this past weekend and saw their new exhibit, Black Regeneration. If you're in the Los Angeles area, highly recommend. <sighs> Going and that, checking that out. The Academy Museum has done what museums should do. Bring in new exhibits that actually are fascinating and worth another time going to that said museum. Yeah, uh, the, the the museum better than the awards, definitely. Yes, like, that museum is, yes. is so good. Like I love and, that museum, and, and I want to steal the E.T. there. They have an E.T. on exhibit. <laughs> but there's a big um, talk on D.W. Griffith's Birth of a Nation. Oh, and yeah. For all, and this is kind of the... <laughs> ground zero of this discussion of these kind of things of more yep. responsibility versus wow technically that was impressive yeah. you know when i was in college we watched birth of a nation and i will tell you this this was only almost 20 years ago we talked far more about the technical elements of the film and advancements than we did about the disgusting morality yeah of the film yeah. which the disgusting morale but what you know, this got, I think that we should not forget the technical achievements, but it should always be prefaced with the disgusting morality. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like, uh, God, yeah, you know, yeah, there's a lot of filmmakers you can use that example for. And like, mm -hmm. you look, it's like our technical achievements. Great. Yeah. Uh, should you use them? A hundred percent. There's value in them. But yeah, but I think like, yeah, you have to make sure I, mean, like, I guess the question yeah. is is michael bay both a cinematic terrorist and a genius oh yeah and he's yeah probably yeah, both. Yeah. he's probably a little both. bit of both yeah. he has flavors of both yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a... and i think that um the scott brothers kind of walk that line themselves too but i yeah. think the difference in the difference with ridley is that ridley is always searching for acceptance within the right people in oh. addition to money and that kind of thing. Oh shit! Do you see? Do you think he kind of sees himself as a GI Jane of sorts? 
I think like, he puts that... himself in all of these. Yes, in all wow. of these positions. Yes, yes. He, he he's fucking Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it's very intriguing, and we've probably broke down the movie far more than anyone else has in the last twenty years. Yeah, or and, and ever will. Like, <laughs> yeah, it ever will. And so the other thing, so the movie came out August twenty second, nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, distributed by uh, Buena Vista Pictures Distribution Hollywood Pictures. Nice to see their logo back when Disney would had a adult subdivision, which they've mm-hmm. deemed de- deemed without merit at this point. Um, the movie um, came out uh, debuted at number one at the box office with an eleven million dollar opening weekend. Stayed at number one for a second weekend. Um, grossed $48.2 million domestically, falling short of its $50 million production budget. Um, which is interesting because they don't give the international totals, which I bet pumped it over that mm-hmm. uh, budget. But it's looked at as a box office failure because of that. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The approval rating is 51%. Critical consensus. Demi Moore admirably does her duty, but G.I. Jane's well-intentioned message is obscured by stylistic bombast and an overload of jingoism. And jingoism, this gets back to Jarhead. (laughs) Um, The theory that there is no such thing as an anti-war film. That every military-based film is pro-military no matter what and there is the incredible memorable incredibly memorable scene in both the film and book jarhead where they watch apocalypse now and cheer on the bombing sequence that opens the movie yeah that is always the yep so after all of this after all of this glass ceiling breaking this goes back to well she's still part of the military and this is just a commercial for how badass the military is yeah and it's it's so funny because it's like even even in spite of the military being like not not still not good enough for us to you know put our support behind still not doesn't make us nice enough mm-hmm. yeah and it's like it's a movie that says like we're questioning glassing we're questioning the military but what is her goal to join the war loving military and the the hardest yeah. core operators of them all yeah to Become a co- like the the best cog in a gross uh, a machine uh, slicked with blood. <laughs> yeah, the having the most blood on her hands. Yeah. Like, and it's and it's funny because they just yeah they don't like yeah there's never a point where she's like is there a point in the movie where she's just like I I guess she does say I love my job at one point. So the okay there is a scene where they're testing them on sleep deprivation and he makes them write this essay about why they want to be seals basically. Right. 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 For a minute more screen time, you could have had her write her entire intentions on that sheet of paper. She's the only one still awake and have Vigo pick it up and read it out loud. Thus explaining her character entirely in that one moment. Missed opportunity. Missed mm-hmm. opportunity right there. Because we don't yeah. know. We know she wants to like prove that she can do things others can't do and break the glass ceiling, which is admirable and great. But from a purely like 
part of the character point of view that is like the filmmakers talking not her talking yes because it, it, it literally yeah literally the closest we get is there's like a moment in the movie where she's like i want to just be able to do this it's not that and like she's right on one level like she should be able to yeah smoke him if you got him she should be able to do it but like mm-hmm. but that's not yeah that's not enough that's not a motivate a motivation that does not make there has to be something deeper and, and we're I not pitch, privy I to pitched, that. pitched a very stupid idea to patrick earlier that her father was a navy seal and died in combat and she wants to earn <laughs> never loved her maybe or something like that and she wants to prove herself to her dad yes very don simpson idea i like seeing yeah and i could be that and that that's something that's like a good and it's that's and that could be interesting so i think that a lot of movies with great intentions especially nowadays confuse global intentions with character inspiration and how not all people live to write twitter posts about how morally sound they are Yeah, some people like are in the moment, and it's just like a personal thing. And the best way to infiltrate ideas is through action rather than statements. Mm -hmm. And again, well, well well-intentioned. And do you get to the stylistic bombast that Rotten Tomatoes brings up? You mentioned you thought that the um, entire Libyan invasion was a cacophony of nothing. Yeah, well, it it was like a cacophony of nothing, and then just like the way that they would um do, they did shaky cam in a way that I've never really seen. Where like it's not shaky cam as much as like the 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 camera is going in and out, in and out really quickly, and it's just like this is weird. This doesn't. I thought it was I thought it was a test drive for Gladiator, for the battle scene for Gladiator. And we'll we'll notice in a few weeks to see if he's using some of the same techniques watching them back to back like this. I thought I saw a lot because Gladiator, he also redefines his look for -hmm. those kind of sequences. Yeah. And well, maybe the thing, too, is like scenes that work better with like, you know, guys with swords and spears in a small arena probably don't translate as well with like troops in a battlefield well i think too when you're doing when you're doing a sequence like that i think it's about slow tension like Mm -hmm. the part where the guy was coming around the corner when demi moore was kind of in behind it behind enemy lines yeah like that was really well done and vigo's watching the scope like because it was more about like because you could have like drawn the string out and it would not have worked but we needed to feel like she could die Mm -hmm. in the sequence yes and that sequence gave us that, like, oh, she's really in danger, and she need, yeah. that thus needs to prove herself and get to get out of the danger. The, yeah, but, those, those, yeah, that moment, yeah, where it, yeah, you needed, to, yeah, a hundred percent. But yeah, Vigo going all like one man army got weird, and yeah, they, but again, they took away the focus from her. It's yeah, it's not Vigo's movie, and I get it; he's the more interesting character. I and yeah, and then. What were you going to say about the uh, the cacophony of this? Uh, did, uh... Oh, I just that um, it's difficult to tell what's going on. Yeah, it's just difficult. Just yeah, it's overshot. It's just overdone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because it's like, yeah, the and it because I brought in like David Twohey, I guess, to rewrite this last part, and it and it does feel like the. They had that first run of the script, and they were like, "We need this action scene," and so it does feel like a big overcompensation well, yeah, need, on yeah, everyone's. Need, it was like we need some sort of big set piece, basically. When when we talked about this off off air, but we got to bring it up. The 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 finale of the movie, the 
climactic sequence is the suck my dick sequence where she yeah. battles Vigo. Vigo is the antagonist, not the Libyans. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, man. If that if the movie understood that, but it makes for a much more talky, much more grounded human movie mm-hmm. than I really Scott's interested in. Yep. <laughs> like that yeah. the end of the day. He just he likes his toys. Ridley Scott is a toy boy. He likes his toys. <laughs> yeah, likes... yeah. And it's like And his sequences. He's a sequence guy. And it's the same thing with like our beloved like Brian De Palma or something. Like they're just not interested in mm-hmm. here's someone talking, here's someone talking. Yeah. We gotta like that's the most boring shit for them. And creating these big set pieces is what matters. And Thus, it was Ridley's idea for the set piece. Um, God, uh, despite the I, fact, like it's, it's like it's Top Gun has the same thing though. The first Top Gun, it's like, isn't this really about Maverick mm-hmm. and getting over himself and getting over Goose's death? And I kind of think Top Gun works better because he has to impress Iceman, and then they do in the end, and it's lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, this movie needed a little more of that Top Gun camaraderie, you, and I yeah, felt like they were afraid of. And you, you said it needed a goose. It needed a oh man. And yeah. you could, like Jim Caviezel, he's such a, a lovable ding dong. Have him sort play of. a no. He's evil. He's an, he's an evil man. He's an evil man. I think man that in there real is life. like Jim Caviezel's real life. It's hard to watch, even though he's like I've always said in Thin Red Line, which is one of my you know I've said it before. It's one of my top ten movies of all time. Yeah, he he is closer to playing the role of Jesus Christ in that movie than he is in The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, that never like ever have you know what fuck fuck Tim Caviezel have Morris Chestnut have yeah. him be the the goose. They just it needs someone that can like or or get like an Anthony Edwards esque actor who's perhaps no, a little need, like yeah. massier. You need another guy though yeah. in there, like another. Danny Nucci, who we just saw in um, Crimson Tide, yeah. put him in there as her as an ally to her. Maybe he get maybe he dies in training. Exactly, he dies someone... in training. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it could be someone who like you know maybe is gruff to her at first a little bit, but then he like learns the way or you know because. But then he dies and he's like, how is this worth it? Yeah, and then when the yeah exactly, it's just uh, and that man that would add another interesting yeah. facet to the film because then like yeah because these these tests are so rigorous and there wasn't there like, a, I think there was like recently an article in some magazine about like people dying at like these Marine, like this is like a recurring theme thing that happens. And but, so like, be- yeah, yeah. It's they're insane. They're yeah. And so insane. and that, that's, that's, that's the move. It's like, why do I want to do this insane thing? That's great. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about though. Cause like when I did CrossFit and I've done marathons and I've done, you yeah. know, Tough workouts or whatever. I've done yeah. like I've climbed the tallest built, like climbed the stairs in the tallest building in Seattle. I've done a bunch of that kind of stuff. And when we did CrossFit, we used to talk about the SEAL training stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And we oh we did Tough Mudder, which has got elements of this kind right, of thing. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> there's an attraction to seeing if you can do it. There is like there is an attraction there, but that's the thing is this movie doesn't show that like there should be like I feel like there. Well, here's the deal: is that enough for a movie at all? Because that's an internal desire, not an external desire. Yeah, I think you could do it. I do think that's an. In- I think there's like something that we're like. I think they just don't like. Um, uh, they're they're so interested in the um. 
the technicality of it, the actual like stuff that they don't really they don't luxuriate. There's no scene where all the guys are sharing a beer together and being like, "Why did you join the Murray?" Like we never get that like moment. I know you even get that in like um fucking American Sniper or something. Yes. You know, and like there's that great part in Zero Dark Thirty where we meet, we finally meet Joel Edgerton and Chris Pratt and the SEAL oh, guys, yeah. and she oh, just like, gives them shit for their beards and their cargo pants. Like she like dresses <laughs> them down. It's like, yeah, that's good too. Like, yeah, know, that's it's... that's super funny. Yeah, well, yeah. and also like they're like in that movie, they're just like pawns moving on a chessboard, which is like, yeah, and, they, and they also yeah. don't, yeah, they also don't even emerge till the third act. Yeah, exactly. Movie. They're such yeah, they're such non entities. It's almost kind of funny. Like in any other movie, they would be like the heroes. Like the movie would give, be like they give Chris Pratt that bit where he like listens to Tony Robbins going into <laughs> the war. It's like, but something like that. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Like, it, there's this movie's humorless too. I don't know. I think we maybe I don't know if we brought that up about GI Jane on the air. It's not funny. Yeah, you that's, gotta give yeah, one of these like, guys something funny to do. Yeah, Top Top Gun has weird piano goofs and playing uh, volleyball in your jeans. There's no Crimson maybe Tide are, has just. Silver Surfer arguments. Yes. Like, See, that's the that's the thing too. Is you get the sense that Vigo Mortensen and uh, and uh, Demi Moore. It's almost like the Denzel Gene Hackman. Yeah. Thing, a little, there's a little bit of that going on, but then it's kind of muddled because they're in such different places of uh, a power. And uh, I think it's very Tony Scott is a much funnier person than Ridley Scott. Oh yeah, and he can have a better. Yeah, he's he's more he's less uh, buttoned up. Yeah, I mean, he, they, maybe really it's older Scott, brother syndrome versus younger brother yeah, syndrome. Well, really, yeah. Scott does not go shirtless with just a vest on his sets, like Tony. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. No, there's no stories of Ridley climbing mountains. You know, coked just, up with uh, yeah, the weirdest with people in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I think you know, Ian Nathan brings it up. He says this is the first one since Black Rain that he feels is a Tony movie. That Tony should have done G.I. Jane. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to say, uh, you brought up Brian De Palma. I'd pay a uh, million dollars to go to the alternate universe where he directed this movie. Oh, <laughs> his would be his would be so fucking weird and, so on, and so over the line. Like, if you thought the push-up scenes were weirdly sexualized in this one, yeah. the Brian De Palma one would be, and he would have Vigo, like, on the verge of sleeping with her yeah. nonstop in like, it would be so sexually weirdly charged. Oh yeah. They would have like Demi and Jason would have had sex in that tub. Like that would have, yeah. Like it just everything would have been, that's everything would have been. But and Jason taken... would have been working against her. Too. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, yeah. it's yeah. It'd be a much more cynical film, yeah. which would have oh, made yeah, it a yeah, more yeah. interesting. Yeah. Film. Be, well, because uh, De Palma is like a hardcore lefty. In all yeah. the right ways, De Palma has good politics. Yeah, oh, even, yeah, even yeah. if he even if he's a pervert simultaneously. Yeah, <laughs> you know that pervert with a heart of gold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god! So um, Ebert liked it. Gave it three and a half. Oh, cool. Uh, he, uh, I read his review. Good review. Yeah, he. I think that um, you know he was impressed by the technical elements, and I think you know he as a good middle of the road liberal liked liked the message of mm. the movie uh training sequence are as they have to be incredible riggers survived by o'neill they are good because they're good cinema because ridley scott the director brings a documentary attention to them 
because Demi Moore, having bit off a great deal here, proves she can chew it. Ooh, good sentence, Evert. <laughs> uh, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly wrote, were women put on Earth to be warriors? Demi Moore certainly was. The role of Jordan fits her as snugly as a new layer of muscle. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't like it. She was trying so hard. You feel so bad for her because I think this was her like this was her swing to this day. I like a nomination. Oh, for sure. And then it, you know, and that that had to, it sucks. It's not fair. And David Toey said, said it's a performance of her career. The movie rises or falls on her performance, and that required her to have a total unflinching commitment to that part. And she had that commitment. I think she fucking nailed it. He said, uh, but the issue was striptease came out while we were in production, and the stink was in the air. I don't think it was fairly received, and striptease had a lot to do with it because it was a truly bad movie. She should have been nominated for G.I. Jane, and I think she would have been too if not for striptease. That tainted her chances and maybe everyone's chances. We have a Norbert situation on our hands yeah oh god yeah man i mean not I, as not as ignominious as norbit i didn't course. live in la at the time but people did talk about like that they were like across the street from each other for your consideration posters for dream girls for eddie murphy right across the street from him like in a fat suit falling off a billboard as norbert <laughs> like, yeah it is oh man uh yeah that is maybe one of the foulest films I've ever witnessed. And it Richard, is Richard, Richard Brody, one of his top performances of the last 20 years. I mean, like as a it's I would say, yeah, like as a fascinating exercise in like uh, a man's pathology. Sure. Like, yeah, like as a as a, as a, as a halting uh, as a halting tour of a mind in, in the state of madness. Richard, Richard Brody, I, I, um, I agreed with him the other day. In his contrarianism, yeah. Richard Brody and I, the two humans alive who thought Amsterdam was really good. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, man. I mean, look, I like, I look. Richard Brody is a he's he's cinema stinker, America stinker. He's we stinker. love him. He's but he's also a great writer. Who <laughs> I don't know what he's doing half the time, but I I he's he's my favorite. He's the way critics should be. Yes, they should be simultaneously infuriating and also compelling. Yeah, they should make you mad sometimes. Yeah, it's a lot should. of fun. He's like he's like what Armand White should be. He called Christian Bale's performance in Amsterdam recklessly bad, but also brilliant. <laughs> and I was like, he's right. He's right. It is a reckless performance, and it's on the verge of being terrible. But it's also on the verge of being great. Oh, the man, way things yeah. should be. The way right, things I'll, should be. You gotta yeah. see it. It's wild. It's a wild movie. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'll think about. It. I'll th I, see. I was burned by. Uh... What was it? Joy? Joy was not a good movie. So I think it's his um it's his most aggressively interesting movie since I heard Huckabees. Hmm. That's that's a lot. I'll okay, I'll give it a VOD. Oh because I'll, I'll it's he he seems back to being kind of the wild man who's not trying to please. Like because he was in director jail after Huckabees. Because Huckabee's was so weird, such a flop, and then of course there's video of him parading <laughs> Lily Tomlin. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's not the nicest man. The wild man, he, uh, wild man. Yeah, and that's the politest way we can put it. But um, it, yeah, for sure. But also, a guy who's like 
seems to be wildly creative. And I mean, like, like, yeah, I guess, like, yeah, was it flirting uh, with disaster? Is like a great movie. I I know Three Kings is Three Kings is um, I think it's his best film still. Mm -hmm. And Three Kings is a genuinely masterful movie. But he also got punched out by George Clooney on the set of that movie. So Mm. he's a troubled man. Uh cannot handle his emotions but at the same time it's like when you're a creative person it's like sometimes like you want your emotions like right there mm-hmm. at the surface but you gotta learn how to regular regular like compartmentalize them perhaps <laughs> so like yeah like keep it yeah you gotta put a dial on it like brother. you can know how to like creatively put those out there so like the feeling is there but don't make people cry all the time because of yeah <laughs> yeah that's not a good way of i feel like yeah that's gonna lead to it's a way, m- but I, I, it's a way more interesting movie, and I think people had their knives out for him, possibly for good reason. Um, but it's a way more interesting movie than I expected it to be. Right, 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 right. And uh, anyway, Richard Brody liked it too. So yeah, <laughs> hey, it's good to have a little bro. Yeah, and you yeah. gotta, you gotta bro. You finally, that, he said Norbit was one of that is fucking insane. Heroes. That is. That it's like, yeah. Heroes. Get his, if you're interested in the guy, his John Luke Godard book is tremendous. Like, yeah. pretty, de- pretty definitive. Uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. The movie um, was not... Demi Moore somehow won a Razzie for Worst Actress for this movie. Oh, Utterly unfair. Disgusting. Ban the Razzies. Stupid. And this was dumb. This is dumb. This is not like... Again, this is not Battlefield Earth. This is not... This is a noble attempt at a good cause for a movie. Her performance has nothing to do with the failings of the movie yeah. at all. Easily, easily one of the like easily one of the best parts of the film. Like she yeah, and she yeah she commits. She she's she's with what she is given. She uh, executes. she does everything. Yeah, she executes great. There's, and again, the media. I don't know what the what the fuck their problem was with her. It's weird. Uh, the, the 1997 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards Viggo Mortensen was nominated for Worst Fake Accent but lost to John Voight for Anaconda if you've ever seen Anaconda John Voight is like putting in a you know Robert De Niro and Raging Bull level bad accent <laughs> like, it is uh, like maybe. It's, it's amazing it's worth yeah. it, John Voight made choices when he came to the set for Anaconda and yeah. uh they are, I, the world the world is better for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially the last choice he makes in that movie. Arguably one of the best endings in in a, in a film. A, a, a Anaconda. A good movie. Oh, <laughs> God, yes. Yeah. Hey, look, young Owen Wilson. You've Owen got Wilson, Danny Jennifer Trejo. Lopez, Ice Cube. Oh, like, what a great Eric cast. Stoltz. Eric Stoltz is in it. One movie should be like Anaconda. Bring that. Bring that type of movie. Bring more. Jo- we need a Jaws movies again. Bring back Jaws you, what, movies. What are, you, what are you trying to accomplish with this movie? A good time. Yes. <laughs> like, and not. I mean, look. I know there are Jaws type movies that are released occasionally. Like there's that one movie with like the Megala way. Like the one that was made with um. It did, God. Did Jason Statham the Meg? Yeah, the Meg. But that's okay. the, it's CGI crap. That's the problem. It's CGI crap. And frankly, folks, have some more fun. Yes. It's, it's Jason Statham fighting a gigantic monster shark. There's no reason to play it seriously at any time. You, you gotta, know what movie this is. Have fun. Make it yes. 90 minutes and have fun. 
get like look all you need are like 10 engaging character actors a, mm. some really fun animatronics and a boat and you're set that's all that's you why fucking everyone need. loves underworld the Kristen stewart movie that came out a few years ago because it was a movie that knew exactly what it was a monster <gasps> under the sea movie yes! there's nothing more or less to it than that and you know Sometimes we need those too. Sometimes we need yeah. to make a statement. Sometimes things can be super fun. Yeah, like that's why this. I like that. That's why that Ryan Reynolds movie Life got like so much love, even though it was like a mediocre film. Yeah. Like the the one where like they're in space because it's like the space draws and like yeah. people people are so desperate that they'll take that like kind of like but that's, land what crap. that's what we're getting at. It's like some of these weren't that good, but we have good memories of them because they're so they're, they're like rare. Yeah. Animals, animals. It's like finding a soda in the desert. It's not the best. Nah, it's not the best. Not You're the not best. getting. Yeah, but it's beats. Uh, beats drowning or Say not this, drowning, though. starving. For Gia Jane. Oh, um, for Gia Jane, it's very well intentioned. The intentions are good. Yeah. Of this movie, there are strong performances in it. Is another outstanding Vigo Mortensen performance in a string of them that we have seen on this show. Yep. Um. There are issues with the movie. It doesn't get all the way there. And, but I would say if you're out there and you've listened to the show and you had no idea this movie existed and you have a subscription to Paramount Plus, why not spend an evening with G.I. Jane? You know, yeah. let us know what you think about yeah, it. Not, We'd be curious. This movie's could, kind of been lost to history a bit. Yeah, you could. And it's funny because, like, this movie has such a. Um... It's a movie that's been lost to history that had such a uh, you feel you feel I feel like you hear it referenced a lot more than other films. Well, that would be a good way to kind of get to the modern day. It was a G.I. Jane joke that set Will Smith off at the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. That is so So that is the historical resonance of this movie. And it's It's about Danny Moore shaving her fucking head. Yeah, and it's like, and how it's like a uh, destruction of her femininity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like, how it was used to upset the guy who was going. He was the only guaranteed win. Everyone knew he was going to win an Oscar later that night. It set him off so bad that he slapped Chris Rock in the face on stage on live television. He got canceled, and then he won the Oscar right afterwards. But then, I think he's back. Ooh, because that Emancipation movie that they're dropping that looks mm-hmm. like Antoine Fuqua, another yeah. Academy Academy guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> and like I think it's like one of those things too, where Antoine Fuqua, he's never had, he's been close. Has he? I don't think he's been nominated for Best Director. He's had he Training probably, Day. I think I think he probably should have been in the mix for Training Day because, I mean, those two performances are phenomenal, but the execution of that movie is also phenomenal as a director oh, for sure. and getting That's all that movie. out of those guys. It's a tremendous movie. Yeah. And they're going to be playing it because this is Apple's Oscar movie this year because killers of a flower moon, the Scorsese has been pushed to next year. And unless there's a miracle, although it did test screen at the goat grove the other day, if Napoleon is done in time for a surprise, like Christmas day release, which is very tight window. And I yeah. don't think they want, 
I don't think they want to deal with Avatar. Either. Yeah, well, that's just, it's so funny. Like, uh, I was uh, I follow some like uh, film on Twitter. I follow some uh, uh, film people that run like movie theaters, and apparently, one of them uh, was like, "All the I'm not going to be able to get Banshees of Insurance because fucking Avatar or whatever." Yeah. Like all the or, and like Black Panther too. Also, like all these movies are just taking over and uh, squeezing out. So it's like, yeah, Napoleon might be up a creek without a paddle. Yeah. He might, be, yeah. Well, it's so little... crazy with that theater thing too, because I was reading because you know Tarantino got in trouble with the totally not sensitive Marvel fans oh, <laughs> the other day, and. <sighs> He got fucked over years ago because he was demanding and they had contracted screening times for Hateful Eight at the Arclight Dome. And Disney was releasing one of the Star Wars movies at that time. And they told the Arclight Dome that if you don't renege on your Hateful Eight contract, that um, just sorry, no, no, another bottle um, that if you don't pull Hateful Eight to play Star Wars, we will not let the Arclight Dome play any further disney marvel star wars movies so they yeah. pulled hate this so they pulled hateful eight from the dome and tarantino was like understandably furious about that yeah they're a gang at, at the yeah. end of the day every every one of these companies man it's just another mob it's just a gang they're all gangs root for artists do yeah. not root for brands and corporations boy yeah We've gone a long way on this episode. <laughs> what a trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you have bonus thoughts, if we if you don't think we talked about everything humanly possible about G.I. Jane, <laughs> which yeah. is probably more, uh, check in with us at the Academy Academy Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at the Academy. Um Twitter seems to be Chugging along just fine. Yes. <laughs> chugging. Chugging and chewing. Next week on the show, I'm really excited for next week's episode. Not, I'm excited for every week's episode, but this next week in particular, we are covering Michael Bay's The Rock next mm. week on the show. And we are covering the end of Don Simpson. Oh, no. So, should be a good one. <laughs> I'm curious, curious about all the directions we can go in there. Yeah. I will be busting out Michael Bay's commentary track to learn more on that Hell one. Hell yes! Hell yeah! Do, do you have do you, do you have the uh, do you have the Criterion Collection edition of The Rock? I have the Criterion edition of The Rock, and I have the general Blu-ray edition of The Rock. Ooh, the yeah. Criterion it was never ported over to Blu-ray. They need to bring bring it over, Criterion. Bring it over, baby. It's bring deserving. it over. It's one of the yes. finest action movies of its era. Uh, one thing to know, too, we're heading into the late 90s, and I think we're going to be seeing a shift in some stylings. I think we already are seeing a shift in some of the stylings with our directors mm -hmm. in our films that we're covering here, especially this week. But The Rock and the following week after that, we return to Tony with Enemy of the State. Starring Ooh. Gene Hackman and Will Smith. An excellent movie. Um, the Rock is currently, as of this very moment at the end of November, available to stream on AMC Plus or can be re rented on any of the major providers. And, of course, it's also on Blu-ray. Um, or you can get a used copy of the Criterion DVD. They're not that expensive. I got <laughs> get that bad boy on eBay, folks. Get it on eBay. And then uh, Enemy of the State is available on all services currently to rent. Um, 
also on Blu-ray. Um, but of course, though, if you watch these as of December 1st, based on the way these streamers work, Anime the State could be on Stars <laughs> December 1st for all we know, and The Rock could be disappeared <laughs> from streaming entirely. Oh so, my goodness. We don't know. This is as of November 27th that these NGI Jane's currently streaming status is going on. Wow. Fun one. Good journey on this episode. I feel like I have been through Hell Week. <laughs> I know. It feels like I've been uh, just, you know, carrying uh, coffins across a desert or climbing up, uh, climbing up weird uh, walls. Just uh, mm-hmm. it's been it's been tough, but it's been worth it in the end. In the, in the yeah. end, it's worth it. Though both of our bodies have been left behind at the foot yeah. of the th- of the Thief of Hearts Hill weeks yeah. ago. We, that was the last the last would... test. Myself, Patrick, Norm, we're all Norm. There. We're all there. We're our bodies just collecting flies. But you know what? We don't. Mind. I saw Thief of Hearts was on sale on Amazon on Black Friday, and I was like, "Do I do it? Do I buy this movie on Blu-ray?" Will I ever watch this again? <laughs> kind of. In my head, it's another one of those movies like Meet Joe Black, where the more I talk about it, the more I think it's a perfect film, even though yeah. I know it's not. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't, something it's, about yeah, it. Yeah, it was, there was something about it. We'll have to watch it on movie night, one of these, and see what everybody else likes. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'd be down. I might, oh God, I want to do a a Hanukkah movie night at my place at some point. And I, I, I almost want to just like, even though it has nothing to do with any of it, just put on either Thief of Hearts or Meet Joe Black and just be like, someone else has to experience with me. I need to, I need yeah. to share this. with some, they, they need to know my vibes. I don't think any, yeah, no one Jewish involved in any of those. <laughs> <movies. laughs> Secondly, uh, Jewish film. Those are uh, both a Deathly waspy films. Yes. Uh, although what? Stephen Bauer, he's a. Uh, actually, Stephen Bauer is Jewish, I think. He's like a Cuban oh. Jew, which is oh, like a weird. Okay. There yeah, there we there go. There we go. Yeah, it's a Kazakh movie. from um, <laughs> Gingerville. Yeah. Uh, Caruso, actually, hey, short for Carusowitz. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh the most my Irish, the most, the biggest, yeah, the most big in the world. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. And I'm a quarter Irish. I can say it. <laughs> hey, we can still make fun of the Irish. No, That's true. At the end of the day, you can always make fun of the Irish, folks. That's the lesson you learn from this. <laughs> oh, that's the lesson you learn from GI Jane. So for Patrick, I'm Don. We'll see you next week on the Academy Academy when we welcome you to the rock. Oh, <laughs> oh man! And whatever you do, folks, don't eat those green orbs. Yeah. I know they look tasty. Maybe the best weapon of 90s oh. cinema. We'll get to it next week. We'll talk to you yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye, folks. See you.